2: Brian me
3: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Brian me Show. Jonathan Turley at the bottom of the hour. We're going to look at the president's election chances. Hard, cold facts, legal advice, and a way forward. There's some whistleblowers came forward last night. You probably saw different uh, different uh, uh, times throughout our network yesterday, most of which was with Sean Hannity's show. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also uh, take a look at what is uh, breaking news today. The president of the United States is going to get some uh, key verdicts. He also is... Uh, he has said it's not true, but there's a report in The New York Times that the president's considering doing a preemptive pardon for members of his family because they've been targeted so prohibitively, uh, so consistently, too, from Don Jr. and the whole ridiculous Mueller report investigation to they looked at uh, they went to deposed, uh, of course, Eric for a while, and then with uh, uh, Ivanka they looked at consulting work that she's done. So to while he still has the power, if he's not able to overturn this election— uh, maybe doing this ahead of time, as well as his uh, son-in-law. We'll discuss all that. Uh, so let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. If you believe, as, as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system, I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it.
3: Yes. No kidding. Where were you before President Obama defunding the police and even Barack Obama says it was a disastrous move and message? Where was Biden and the boys when all they everyone was saying uh, saying this and rioting and looting and attacking? We look at the results of what's left of our cities as they cut budgets in Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago and New York.
1: Number two, Barr, who is one of the president's most loyal supporters, told the AP the Justice Department has looked into complaints about the election, but has not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election.
3: Right. A.G. Bill Barr came out with a report saying he found no widespread fraud while the president is mounting his last round of election challenges, perhaps, as he and his party pour millions into Georgia and that runoff election in an effort to save his administration's wins and gains. Uh, that you can be sure a Democrat-led Senate would wash away.
5: Number one. Today is a victory for the American people. It is a bipartisan, bicameral effort which creates a pathway forward to bring relief to the unemployed, to the small businesswoman, the small businessmen.
3: While we were, uh, while we wait for a vaccine, politicians shut down businesses, lives, and livelihoods, and a rebellion is brewing. Time to hear the madness in Russia rescue package uh, in the hundreds of thousands uh, for the hundreds of thousands hurt by this pandemic and their incompetence. I sense an actual bipartisan deal is coming. In fact, I talked to Senator Joe Manchin on Fox & Friends, uh, uh, let me see, 45 minutes ago, and he really thinks something's going to get done or they're not leaving for Christmas. That's how determined Dick Durbin, believe it or not, Warner, Mitt Romney, and Senator Cassidy, who's going to join us at some point in the Wednesday show, uh, are. And they got it. It's a lot of money. And look, it's deficit spending. I get it. But... You have no choice. This isn't even 2008 where you could say some people made bad choices. We have politicians, governors and mayors specifically, making terrible choices for business. But having said that, hundreds of thousands have lost their jobs. There are students that are coming out of college. They can't get out of their parents' basement because, essentially, they can't get their career going because nobody's hiring or letting you come to work in many of these cities, except for uh, states like uh, Florida and other states like Indiana. Uh, in Ohio, who's starting to shut down, and, and they're trying to do a recall on him, too, uh, the Republican Governor DeWine. Well, you can't get your business going. You can't get the restaurant going. You can't do hospitality. You can't do hotels. You can't get a car service going. If you drive a taxi or a truck, you are affected. But if you work at Target and, and liquor stores, or if you decide to uh, work at um, uh, 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 Price Club, um, you know, uh, we will, you know, you're, you're fine. So that's the problem, or a pharmaceutical company. So let's get started. And essentially, uh, let's look at what they're working with this uh, bipartisan deal, uh, with, this, uh, uh, with this, what they're talking about in a bipartisan way. Now, I should tell you that Mitch McConnell is the one that uh, put out a plan, and it is a so-called skinny plan. And it is a plan that would probably use existing money and just be able to get it into the system. But it's not going to be enough to really make a difference. So why bother? I think at some point, you know, that even though he doesn't have the majority in the Senate, I don't think, and or the House, just a slimmer majority, you know that Joe Biden's going to come in and use some momentum and try to get something down with a rescue package. But look what they're talking about. I don't expect you to memorize this, but just listen. Uh, they are looking at 288 billion for small business. They needed 188 billion to extend unemployment benefits. 160 billion for state and local governments generally. But there's going to be some restrictions on that, so you just can't bail out pension plans. Not that cops and firefighters don't deserve everything they have negotiated, but a lot of these major liberal cities negotiated deals you can't possibly afford to pay for without boosting taxes. Unless you get a bailout, this should be used for pandemic-related. Things. Forty five billion for transportation like airlines, airports, buses, uh, and Amtrak. Sixteen billion for vaccine development. Man, that's what well, money well spent, and we got to be able to distribute it. That's gonna cost money. Thirty-five billion for health care provider relief fund, eighty-two billion for education, man, that's needed, four billion for student loans, twenty-five billion for nutrition and agriculture, ten billion for US Postal Service, and they got child care there. They say four to five million Americans listening to me right now will be permanently unemployed. Mortgage and rent deferrals are, ex- are expiring, and unemployment benefits expiring at the end of the year. That's why these men and women can't go home. And at least 100,000 small businesses have permanently closed. That means millions of low paid, uh, low wage jobs, perhaps, workers, blue collar workers, women, and minorities are out of luck. Here's Joe Manchin. Cut to.
6: We're battling COVID-19 more fiercely now than we ever have before. We recognize that. It's inexcusable for us to leave town and not have an agreement that we can come together and not show that we can work the way the Senate and the way that Congress was intended to work in a bipartisan way. Uh, It's not the time for political brinkmanship. Uh, You'll not see any of that here today on this stage. And uh, we're going to intend to move this forward after months of uh, failing to act for one reason or another. We're not blaming anybody. For why they haven't come to an agreement.
3: Uh, you can blame people. Uh, when you have Nancy Pelosi started three point four trillion and they ended up going to be one point eight to two point two, and she still won't sign off on it. I blame her. And I know it doesn't help for for the moderate democrat to blame their speaker, the liberal speaker, but you should blame people if you're really mean, totally honest. Bill Cassidy, Senator from Louisiana, cut for.
5: Today is a victory for the American people, and it is a victory for common sense. It is a bipartisan, bicameral effort, which creates a pathway forward to bring relief to the unemployed, to the small businesswoman, the small businessmen struggling to hang on till the vaccine's widely used, to the doctors and the nurses who are on front line with a third wave of disease, wondering if they're gonna get the relief they need to effectively address this third wave.
3: Okay. Along the way, we've made it worse. Politicians have made this worse, especially the ones, and there's many and most, that don't have any business experience. Because as we have this pandemic, once in a lifetime, we hope, fingers crossed. At the same time, there's ways that we have shown to get health clubs and restaurants open. There's ways to do it. We've done it. There's ways to get kids back into school. We've done it. There's ways to get sports back in the field on every level, from pro to to the eighth grade uh, tennis team. We've done it. But they've chosen not to do it because the virus is coming back. But what they did is made things worse. So when you shut down a business, just so you know, you are lengthening the food lines for people for the first time. I think 40 percent of the people on food lines are doing it for the first time. So every time you say I'm doing it to keep people healthy, just know you're sending them in their station wagon or their Humvee or their uh, or their minivan to a line to pick up food to be able to eat that day. When you close down schools, it's the blue-collar people, for the most part, that are the ones that can't afford to get daycare. So their fourth grader now is keeping their parent home because you can't leave a fourth grader at home or a second grader at home uh, with an iPad. I'm pretty sure that's bad parenting. So as we wait for a vaccine, which is upon us, as we wait for the... FDA to do what they did in the UK and approve the Pfizer, then the Moderna vaccine, and then we have 20 to 30 million doses ready to go right now that are 95 percent effective, you could at least make an effort to keep these businesses open. But not only are they not doing it, they're closing down these restaurants, they're closing this down, and they're going to do something that you would think unthinkable because politicians have this self-preservation gene, I thought, but now you have Governor Gavin Newsom eating at this elite restaurant called French Laundry without a mask on, inches away from other donors and many others, who you just said, I'm closing down businesses and you got to social distance, you got to wear a mask because that's what we decided to do in California. But it didn't end there. Now San Francisco Mayor London Breed attended the same French Laundry party at that restaurant and attended a party the next night. This, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, says the mayor dined at the French Laundry Restaurant the day after Gavin Gavin Newsom did. She joined seven others on November 7th to celebrate the 60th anniversary, excuse me, 60th birthday of Socialite, whatever her name is. Uh, By the way, a Socialite is not a job. You could just say unemployed or really rich. Uh, A spokesperson for the Chronicle said that there was a big party in the dining area, same thing, same exact area with the same exact chandelier. While she's telling these restaurants to close up, are you going to be fined or jailed? A statement from the mayor says, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that everyone act responsibly reduce the spread of the virus. Every San Franciscan needs to do their part so that we can start moving in the right direction. That statement was made November 10th. Guess what? November 7th, she's at this party. So then she comes out and says this. The mayor apologize Tuesday for not allowing state coronavirus restrictions during a not abiding by them during a Thanksgiving meal. And the latest example of an official not living up to their word doesn't stop there. The San Jose mayor apologized for flouting the COVID-19 rules on Thanksgiving. Quote, I understand that the state regulations issued November 13th limit the number of households and private gatherings to three. I apologize for my decision to gather contrary to my own state rules. Los Angeles County supervisor, Sheila cool visited an eatery in Santa Monica, California I was there a couple of weeks ago, just hours after she voted to ban outdoor dining at a restaurant. Why is that okay? Of course it's not okay. I'm going to come back and, and take some more calls, and I want to go over with some of the uh, the president's next move in the election fight. And when William Barr came out and says no widespread evidence of voter fraud, he's not saying there is none. He's saying there's not enough to overturn an election from what he saw. And the but as Jenna Ellis, who represents the president, says— He hasn't done any investigation. How would he know? Rudy Giuliani, also on that team. I'll tell you what they're saying and what you're saying. 1-866-408-7669. Jonathan Turley, in 15 minutes, you're next.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade.
7: Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services.
2: Breaking news, unique opinions, hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: If you believe, as as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system so that it's not biased and treats everybody fairly, I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done.
3: Yeah, but, but where was he during the election? Where was James Clyburn during the election who said basically the same thing? Joe Biden. I'm not for defunding the police, but that's hardly an aggressive stance. Meanwhile, they're wrecking the place. They're looting. They're rioting. They're boarding up businesses, maybe forever. And the answer has been the cops. Cops are targeting minorities. So let's take them down. Seattle mayor, yesterday. So just so they're not, Mr. Uh, Mr. former President Obama, this is not just a slogan. So— uh, Reforming the police in Seattle means cutting the budget by 18%. That, according to their very liberal mayor, Jenny Durkin. She signed off on the 2021 budget. They were trying to get her to cut it 50%. It includes cuts to the police department and puts new money in new hands. And guess what? They're not filling vacant seats. They're cutting back on overtime, and they're cutting the one thing everyone agreed would be beneficial, training. Additional training, training. For the modern challenges, 50% local activists, uh, they fall short of the 50% what the local activists wanted, but these are very contentious uh, conversations that they had. Uh, They agree on this. Homicides are going through the roof. They virtually doubled. 41 homicides so far this year. 52% increase from last year. And it doesn't stop there. In Minneapolis, 78 homicides so far this year. 41 homicides at the same time last year. That's a 90% increase in homicides from just a year ago. While you cut the police. And the liberal mayor, this guy Jacob Fryer, remember him getting shouted down right after the George Floyd uh, death? We are hearing from uh, communities right now. They're looking for both uh, a both a, a decreased presence of police and an increased presence of police, and complaining that they're not getting prompt responses on nine one one. Total violent crimes, homicides, rapes, robberies, aggravated assault, domestic uh, aggravated assault are all going through the roof. They're up twenty five percent. Elon Omar said, "Look at this tweet." Don't fall for the fear-driven narratives. We can craft a justice system that prioritize people's basic needs like mental health, violence prevention, violence prevention, that's interesting, and allow the city to put public safety first. Good job. Chicago, violence is up by half. 33,800 people uh, shot this year. Police officers uh, face nearly a 300% increase in violence against them. And their answer is, let's cut the budget. Have you ever heard such idiocy in your life? For me, the answer is absolutely not. In New York, they already cut a billion dollars out, and they want more. AOC wants more uh, cut out of that. So you heard from Barack Obama, and for those people who say that that's fictitious, that Republicans are bringing it up for political gain, remember, AOC of Queens said this, cut 25.
1: Not a single member of Congress that I'm aware of campaigned on socialism or defunding the police in this general election. And these were largely uh, slogans or they were they, they were demands from activist groups that we saw in the largest uprising in American history around police brutality.
3: Right. She was saying defund the police and demanding more than a billion dollars cut from the police budget. We know that we have a VCR and a, and a cassette recorder. Heather McDonald was on Tucker last night. She is a criminal justice expert. Cut 29.
0: It's completely bizarre. It it turns out that ideology trumps common sense, and it trumps, in, for a very long time, people's own sense of, of comfort and and their own desires, because a lot of these politicians who have been demonizing the cops have been reelected, because people would rather embrace the idea that they are alone in fighting racism it makes them feel virtuous and frankly the other reason Tucker is the vast majority of crime is happening in inner-city neighborhoods It's the class yeah. divide that you talked about before. It's also a race divide. This isn't gonna change until white kids start getting shot in their homes at night.
3: Let's hope not. Uh, Heather McDonald with us uh, was with Tucker last night, and she is the author of War on Cops. Joel in Grand Rapids, uh, Michigan. Hey, Joel.
9: Hey, Brian, I've talked to you before, man. You're a good guy, I love the show. Thank You, you. know, I have yet to hear one person say, what happens when the first big snowstorm hits in Minneapolis? Or you have a major traffic, you know, accident situation. Who do you call? You call the police. Yep. And I've yet to hear anybody even mention that. And that's the first thing that comes to my mind.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know that in Grand Rapids, you're going to get hit by snow. In New York, it comes and goes upstate New York every single time. But cops do so many different things. I mean, when New York had actually visitors and tourists, they were given directions nonstop. They were posing for pictures nonstop. They were considered friendly. You know, they they're almost like tour guides. And now suddenly that's changed. I mean, you cut a billion dollars out, people are retiring. 2,400 as of October 1st have retired this year. They don't want to deal with it.
10: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Fast as three hours
2: in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
11: We're told that when that alert moved yesterday, that Bill Barr had said that uh, the Justice Department had not found widespread election fraud. We're told that the president's <laughs> rant when he heard about that was that this was a smokescreen by his attorney general to try to prevent the release of of that report that's uh, looking into the 2016 FBI investigation of the Trump campaign.
3: All right. So that was Mike Allen of Axios. We're going to talk about the election challenges and also talk about the uh, the John Dorn report that's going to extend past this administration. Uh, Jonathan Turley, law professor, George Washington University, Fox News contributor. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thank you very much. The president missed it on that. I mean, this is extending the investigation, which the president said should have wrapped up. And I, I don't blame him. I don't know what he's doing, but I assume it's diligent work uh, to re- to review what who did what in 2016 uh, through the Mueller investigation. Are you surprised the dorm investigation will not wrap in the next few weeks? Well,
12: the interesting thing about the Durham investigation is that we've heard so many different accounts, many of them have been false. Shortly before the election, various mainstream media outlets ran this story that Durham had found virtually nothing and was resisting the pressure of Attorney General Bill Barr uh, to find something and release it before the election. Um, This would certainly seem to contradict that. Uh, In order to appoint a special counsel, the Attorney General must find a basis for continued criminal investigation. And presumably John Durham agreed that he has more criminal investigation to complete uh, and he needs more time. What we know is that Durham himself asked for this investigation to be upgraded to a criminal matter gain access to a grand jury. He secured already one criminal plea by a former FBI official, and he relatively recently asked for about 1,000 pages of classified intelligence material. That doesn't sound like a guy who is doing nothing and trying to resist pressure.
3: I agree. I guess maybe the president wasn't clear on what the point was, but the point was even if they find something, he'd be out of office if things stay the way they are. What good is it? And, you know, they plagued his first four years with an investigation that perhaps they're going to find was totally unwarranted.
12: Well, what's astonishing with the president's statement is that this move uh, is almost elegant from a Machiavellian standpoint. I mean, this is incredibly lethal because it insulates Durham from being fired. It's not uncommon for presidents to replace U.S. attorneys. They don't do that with special counsels. Also, it makes the release of a report much more likely. And here's where the Democrats are gonna have difficulty. They just spent a year demanding that the Mueller report be released without redaction. Speaker Pelosi, uh, Chairman Nadler, all demanded the public be allowed to see what the special counsel had found. (laughs) Well, that's gonna be played back to them now. And they're gonna say, "Well." Will you accept that same position with regard to this special
4: counsel?
3: Yeah, I mean, we know it was hypocrisy. We were playing back to the Clinton years, and we saw how Republicans and Democrats had now switched places, and now we see it again when it comes to uh, we saw it with impeachment, and then we see it again, uh, Jonathan. So when it comes to the president's election challenges, it's hard to keep up with all of them. Uh, we don't, we do know the Attorney General came out and said, "I have not seen wide-ranging uh, election malfeasance that would overturn the election." Doesn't mean they didn't see anything. Here's what Kaylee McEnany said, cut 13.
13: And we have sworn affidavits to back up. Everything that you have shown this evening, you mentioned the one individual who saw ballots in Detroit being backdated to uh, birth dates of January 1st, 1900. We have affidavits like this, where they actually list out all of the circles are different ballot numbers. They've written the specific ballot number down that was dated January 1st, 1900, for someone who didn't have a birthday. So these are fact-driven. They're real people. You just heard from them. Where is the media asking these questions?
3: So she's frustrated. What is your answer to that? Because these are individuals, but you're talking about losing a state by 53,000 or 11,000.
12: Well, as you know, I've never understood why uh, particularly President-elect Biden did not just come out and support a full review of all of these ballots. He is very likely to prevail. Uh, He has been for a number of weeks. But instead, the Biden campaign, the media has had this unrelenting campaign to stop any review of ballots. And that happened almost immediately after Biden was declared the presumptive winner. And so the result is that they are just leaving, you know, almost 75 million people uh, with these lingering doubts about the election. And a good example of that is the effort to review these Dominion machines in Arizona. AG Barr said that they have seen no evidence that these machines were tampered with to change the vote count. And that supports what a lot of experts have said. But I still don't understand why the opposition to simply allow those machines to be reviewed. That if, if, if the media is correct and they very likely are correct. They will not find tampering, and that will help resolve this division. So I'm mystified by what I consider a reckless approach by so many in this, to try to fight any review and any challenges, and then by doing so, preserve
3: these doubts. So Rue Giuliani, today, uh, I think he's going to be – Rue's going to be head to Michigan to testify on the election. He's expected to – Uh, be in front of the Legislature Committee examining the state's election process. In Pennsylvania, they're going to ask the U.S. Supreme Court to hear about the the unconstitutionality of the mail-in vote in particular. Ted Cruz is urging the Supreme Court to pick this up. Legally, what does this mean? If they pick it up and they say, okay, what could they do with the mail-in voting now?
12: Yeah. See, that's the part of the problem. An earlier decision by the state Supreme Court said that the challenge to mail-in voting is barred under a doctrine called latches. And all that means is that you waited too long to bring a challenge. They're saying, why didn't you do this before the election? But you wait until after the election. Now that millions have voted, certification is about to occur, and we just don't feel you should be able to bring it. Now, a lot of people find that distasteful. Because they're like, well, if it's unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. And the opinion really doesn't get into the merits. It just simply says you waited too long. And this is an example of how these opinions are fueling these doubts and this frustration among Trump voters. They feel like a lot of these are just threshold decisions that don't deal with the underlying problem. We have a serious problem in this country legally. You know, a legal system is only as good as people accept its results, as people accept its integrity. I think these judges have done a good job overall. but there's And I really have uh, been very vocal in uh, pushing back on attacks on these judges by the Trump legal team, which I think is really unfair. But we also need to be cognizant of the fact that this country is a powder keg. And to the extent that courts can allow review of evidence, allow the inspection of machines, it will help heal part of that division. And I think that's something that should weigh on these judges as to, you know, yeah, I don't think that there is a good basis for this claim, but when they can allow greater transparency, they should.
3: Uh, Jonathan Turley, obviously our guest, very recognizable. Um, in, in Wisconsin, they paid $3 million, and they went to two very liberal cities, and they, it looks like Joe Biden gained 87 votes. We know that they, Donald Trump gained votes upon a reexamination and a recount when they found ballots in Georgia, and now we understand the Trump campaign will file a, a lawsuit in Wisconsin claiming abuse of absentee voting, uh, so they're going to try for that way. That would affect 220,000 ballots. I'm not sure you have a chance. It's hard for me to even keep up with all this stuff. Have you had a chance to look at the merits of that case?
12: Well, I haven't been able to see the underlying evidence. I've seen the claims, and the question is whether these judges will get into the specifics on these claims. I uh, and that goes to my last comment that to the extent they can avoid these threshold uh, decisions, the better in terms of assuring Trump voters that. These have been looked at. I think this is also why uh, Attorney General Barr's statement is so important. He didn't say that there's uh, that he's cleared this election, but he has been honest and said there is no evidence today of a systemic uh, um, effort of voting fraud. And specifically, he said that they did look at the Dominion voting machines, uh, that two agencies went and really chased that down and rejected that claim, that's important because that's one of those threshold challenges that could affect
3: a huge number of votes. Jonathan, the thing is, in Georgia, they were barely checking signatures between envelopes. They're trying to get them to do it. They're trying to get them to fix it before January 5th. Uh, Do you fault the, the, the Republican legal team for not knowing all this, or is it even possible to know what every state is doing? Well, I do fault
12: uh, the lack of challenges before the election, and I also include in that the Trump campaign. Uh, These types of decisions on latches are basically because you didn't act sooner. And so I do think that there's blame to go around. But in fairness to the Trump campaign, they have identified what are problems with mail-in voting. I mean, it's absolutely bizarre to suggest that we could ramp up mail-in voting to this extent and have a virtually immaculate election. There, were, there have been problems that the Trump campaign has shown. They have produced evidence of affidavits, of yeah. irregularity. The only issue is whether any of these cases impact so many votes that they could change the outcome. And that's what the Justice Department has not seen yet.
3: But, you know, you, do, you know, I don't think any Democrat would deny the president has been very dubious about this mail-in voting, especially the unrequested ballots that just arrived in people's mailboxes for the first time. Not like Oregon's used to doing it. Nevada, who's not used to doing anything. So in uh, some of these battleground states. And the president sounded the alarm, I think, as early as June. If you were working on the RNC legal team or with the president of the White House, would you have said, "Okay, let me let me try to see what I could do here? Because we had the attorney general sit down with CNN and say this mail in balloting provides a lot of room for fraud. So we knew this was going to be a problem. And now that it's a problem, they're trying to play catch up. Could they have done something earlier?
12: I think they could have done more that the pushback was largely rhetorical from the president, not legal. There were a couple of challenges in Nevada. I was critical of the Nevada approach of sending live ballots out to virtually anyone on the voting list, which is notoriously out of date uh, and rife with people who are no longer residents or even alive.
3: Do the same thing with Jersey. And, um, yeah.
12: Those are valid objections. But you're right. I mean, we're, the, the runway, we're running out of runway. And uh, they could have started this type of challenge earlier. Now, does that mean that we—that this is over? No. Um, we are seeing more challenges. Perhaps we'll see some more evidence. But right now, we're left to what I wrote about earlier is what I call the Death Star strategy. It's, it's very difficult. And that is to engineer a fight on the floor of Congress by getting states to either reject their certifications or submit multiple certifications. It's very difficult. It doesn't look like they have that support, but it makes the shot by Luke Skywalker look like beanbags.
3: Right. Uh, Now let's talk about this story in The New York Times. It's denied by the White House, but who knows? Um, Maggie Haberman wrote it, said Trump has discussed with advisors pardons for his three eldest children and Rudy Giuliani. The challenge is that it's going to look at as a so-called preemptive pardon because they have not been charged with anything. Don Jr., Eric and Ivanka, as well as Jared Kushner, are on the president's list and inquiry list. And Rudy Giuliani evidently over the weekend asked for it, too, because he is being investigated, we understand, uh, for what he's doing with, uh, in the Ukraine. I never heard of a preventive pardon. Is there a such thing?
12: You can have a preemptive pardon in that uh, um, it's not expressly ruled out by the Constitution. It is very controversial. Uh, And in this case, I think it would be clearly wrong. I think the president should not pardon himself or his family. Uh, It would really tarnish his legacy. It would create the impression that he was Wiping out potential criminal conduct, the case against these individuals is, is thus far quite weak. I mean, these are uh, claims that we've seen for years. They can be defeated in court. Right. Now, of course, it's easy for me to say because it drains these people of of resources and time. But the just the optics of the president issuing all of these pardons uh, will really harm. Uh, um, the legacy of not just the president, but his administration as
3: a whole. Jonathan Turley, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, soon we'll be talking about an election one way or another in the rearview mirror, but we're still in the middle of it one month later. one Back with you in a moment.
10: It's Brian Kilmeade from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's
2: getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, welcome back, everyone. Let's go out to Brad, listening on Freedom 970 in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Brad.
14: Hey, how, Thanks, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on.
3: So, you're active duty law enforcement. How do you feel about the way you're being treated?
14: Uh, well, it's been tough. It's been uh, it's been trying, and then what the media says is not really what's happening. So, it's been a little frustrating. In what way? Well, I don't. We do. I'm in Portland, Oregon, and we have. It's it's not a very big place, but you know, we average 22 to. 36 murders over the last 10 years, and in the last since they disbanded and defunded the police and got rid of our gun violence task force, uh, it just went off the rails with homicides. So,
3: so I mean that's the way the media is portraying it, isn't it? I mean that's why I'm portraying it.
14: Well, no, they just look at the whole year. We had three homicides from January to June 19th. Three homicides. We we're looking at the lowest ever. And since they disbanded it, it's been almost fifty. So I mean if you look at the small thing they're blaming the pandemic and other things and it's just not the truth.
3: Of course so. not. Uh you, you defund the police as if you're the bad guys. Uh you're trying to keep some order in society that is disorderly without you and you're blamed for the disorder. And it's nuts. Uh, Absolutely. Do you do a lot of your I mean, fr- are you a lot of your friends just quitting?
14: Yep, there's a lot of the younger officers that are just going to other agencies. We have an awesome training um and I mean you the outside agencies that are picking up the the cops that don't want to get abused in Portland is is incredible cuz they get a I mean they're it's a bonus for them. So it's it's not good for us.
3: Thanks so much for what you do. I appreciate it uh Brad I appreciate what you uh, the uh, the up close and personal story. Uh, and these idiot politicians, they get elected and get pressured and they want to uh, blame the police and cut the police and think they're helping society. When these people got to turn around and say, why am I unsafe? Why was my house burglarized? Where were the cops when I needed them? I was stuck on the side of the road. Nobody came. Well, now you know why. You defunded them. You demeaned them. Uh, and you dishonored them. And they're quitting. And you get what you deserve. Not just he, but she, too. Um, thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKillMe.com.
10: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of the Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to be able to catch up with Charlie Hurt at the bottom of the hour and also do a simulcast on America's Newsroom with Sandra Smith and Trace Gallagher so you get to see us uh, on—we'll do a simulcast. So you'll get to continue to listen to the show and watch it on Fox Nation. And get this, follow me here, also on the Fox News channel. So that'll be great. We're coming to you from New York for it heard around the country, heard around the world. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three. If you believe, as as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system, I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it. No kidding.
3: Where were you, Mr. Former President, when they were using that term, burning down buildings and looting and attacking people, Defunding the police was what they were chanting. Where was Biden? And what about all the other Democrats like James Clyburn when the looting was taking place and when the chant was taking place? We look at the results and what's left of our cities and streets because they are slowly but surely defunding the police.
1: Number two. Barr, who is one of the president's most loyal supporters, told the AP the Justice Department has looked into complaints about the election, but has not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election.
3: And that's the attorney general who came to that conclusion, but did say there was some disturbing things going on. Attorney General Barr came out with a report saying found no widespread fraud in the 2016 election, uh, which wrapped up about three weeks ago, and they continue to challenge it legally here. What are the realities, and how will it affect the Senate runoffs in Georgia?
9: Number one.
3: Today
5: is a victory for the American people. It is a bipartisan, bicameral effort, which creates a pathway forward to bring relief to the unemployed, to the small businesswoman, the small
3: businessman. Uh, There you go. Uh, That is Senator Bill Cassidy talking about this thing called hold on to something bipartisanship. They've put together something that Mitt Romney and Senator Bill Cassidy have signed off on, along with Dick Durbin and Senator Manchin and many more. While we wait for a vaccine, politicians and shut down businesses, they're making everything worse. But it's time to help people out with money and an aid package. Could they actually get something done together? And by the way, when we do a simulcast in about five minutes, we're going to be talking about something I think most of you can relate to. Just shutting down. Shutting down things because the virus is coming up. I know it's dangerous and we know the precautions to take. We know how our lives have been limited, maybe stopped, started uh, or changed because of this. Why make it worse? What they've done in New Jersey is they stopped indoor sports, but they're uh, including swimming, uh, dance, gymnastics and exercise lessons or training sessions. So they're all uh, done. And we'll talk about that because it weighs down on these, p- these people called children who want to play sports and are not susceptible to the virus. And they do get it. Such a mild case, their vitalities are almost indivisible, unquantifiable. The data, as we hear from Dr. Fauci, is the key. So they're also hurt by that. So let's talk about what is going on in this aid package, because they're talking about billions of dollars to the tune of just under $2 trillion to – Help out businesses. Hundreds of uh, over a hundred thousand businesses are just not coming back. We know that too. Uh, they are are got to be funding education because people have to put in different. Uh, mechanisms in order to deconflict we have to have bigger school rooms. they have to be cleaned constantly which means more cleaning services they have 160 billion for state and local governments 180 billion to extend unemployment benefits 288 billion for small business 12 billion for community lenders you get it 25 billion for nutrition and agriculture keep in mind if you're a farmer you're affected by the shutdown of restaurants and as well as the catering industry uh, yeah, ten billion for childcare for people who got to stay home with their kids, even though there's really no risk between kindergarten and uh, eighth grade. Ten billion for broadband, which helps out those rural communities. Uh, 160 billion, as we mentioned, for state and local governments, but there are some restrictions on that, and the restrictions are uh, essentially that they cannot give it to pension funds or anything not related to the pandemic. So that would be something that would please Republicans. And even Joe Manchin was able to come out and tell us that that was an important uh, condition of him signing off on it. In fact, let's listen to a little of my interview with uh, with Joe Manchin that I did on Fox and Friends uh, about an hour ago. Well,
6: what happened is nothing was happening. That's the problem, right? We've been talking about and and, and our leadership's been in a stalemate. Uh, both in the Senate and over in the House. The people are hurting in my state of West Virginia. They're hurting in every state. And we're in a worse pandemic now as far as the outbreak of the pandemic will get much worse this first quarter. We're trying to get through the most difficult times that we've ever had. And that's going to be people that are losing everything as far as all their benefits are running out at the end of December. And the economy hasn't recovered. There's more shut down. There's no outside dining. And, and a lot of inside dining has been shut down. So we have restaurants hurting. We have so much that needs to be assisted here.
3: So the bipartisan group came up with a total of $908 billion in relief. And I think the uh, the Mitch McConnell proposal is less than that. And I think Nancy Pelosi was like $2.8 trillion. So some 4 to 5 million Americans will permanently be unemployed. Mortgage and rent deferrals, well, they're going to evaporate if, of course, they did take hold at the end of the year. At least 100,000 small businesses permanently close. Millions of low-wage jobs, low-wage workers who put in a lot of hours and now are not able to, especially women and minorities, are affected by this. And I didn't know this, but oil companies, media giants, and airlines are permanently scaling back. So very qualified people at great jobs are now out of a job. And even Governor DeSantis, who wants very little help in Florida, says, "Listen, for unemployment benefits, we really need uh, some help there." So here's a little more.
6: There was 560 billion, roughly 560 billion, left over from the first CARES package, and that's what uh, Leader McConnell is calling the skinny package. He just wants to get that out the door. Uh, we've put, with Democrats and Republicans working together, another 348 billion to that, makes it 908. So it's only right. 908 of new money. So people who think it's too much or people think it's not enough. Uh, maybe we've hit the sweet spot and we're hoping our leadership will look at this in a very constructive way.
3: Hope so, because there's uh, Senator Warner on the left there's Senator Manchin uh, on the left. There's Senator Mitt Romney and there's Senator Bill Cassidy, who's going to be with us uh, later on in the Wednesday edition of this show. There's a lot of people who are saying we've got to get something done and putting pressure on Mitch McConnell who says I want to get something done. And the question is, would Mitch McConnell he's got to put something on the president will sign. Okay, fine. Check with the president. Because he was up around two point two trillion before the before the election. Number two. Then you go back and just say, Listen, I'm gonna get something passed, even if it means getting thirty Democrats to join thirty Republicans and get something through. Because I believe the Republicans are more than likely going to kick one of those two seats. This is what the story is going to be on immigration. This is what the story is going to be on budgets. This is what the story is going to be on defense. This is going to be the beginning of debating deals, almost like sports. And I find it fascinating to see that if we're going to actually enter this period of getting along. And finally, here's one more from Joe Manchin. So are you worried, for example, Democrats or Republicans always point out, uh, a lot of these Democratic-run cities, uh, states, not yours, uh, have uh, committed to a lot of these uh, funds and pensions uh, that are unsustainable, and they asked for the federal government to bail them out,
6: and they might use this pandemic as an excuse to do that, like New York and California? Cannot. Cannot, cannot. I can assure you with my Republican colleagues and the way I feel also, and I've spoken to the governors on all sides, they know they cannot okay. cure their ills with this money. That won't happen.
3: So that's good, and that's one of the sticky points. What I want to see is a liability insurance, because with the liability insurance means that businesses will not to get destroyed just by bringing their people back to work. Have a criteria, a mandatory minimum for everything from Bank of America. Uh, to other businesses, to the Allstate Insurance business, to say your business has got to do a certain amount of things. When you do that, you no longer can get sued if your one of your employees unfortunately gets the virus. I don't know why that's not in the mix, but to me, that would be one of the easiest things. If you want to see your cities fill back up, that'll happen. So let's listen into the Fox News Channel.
8: Your youth and adult sports, including both practices and competitions, and inclusive of all risk levels set forth by the Department of Health are being placed on a full and complete pause. We do not take this step lightly. As folks probably know, I'm a huge sports fan and all of our kids play sports. I hope and intend to see the winter sports season in January.
13: Oh And that's New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy announcing a temporary statewide suspension of indoor, high school, and youth sports, along with a new limit on outdoor gatherings. The updated rules are meant to help stop the spread of the virus Brian Kilmeade is here the Coast of Fox and Friends. Brian, seen, we've seen you talking about this on your show in the mornings a lot. I'm sure you're talking about on the radio. What impact is this going to have on kids? All
3: right. A couple of things, Andrea. I know you're, uh, you're, all, you're an athlete that takes uh, sports and fitness extremely serious, so you understand, too. I don't care if you're the best kid on your team. I don't care if you are your team is under 500 or you're 2 and 14. You have an opportunity now to bring some normalcy to kids' lives in the middle of a pandemic who are less likely, according to the data, than anybody else to get this virus and spread this virus. And they've had some normalcy as they go to practice and start aspiring for victories. Or in the case of indoor sports, they're probably just getting through the uh, preseason. And then you put it on the shelf. I know the numbers in hockey are high. So they're making everybody sit down. We're watching, we watch the pros do it in Orlando. Keep the fans away, tell the parents maybe they can't watch. You let these kids go into the locker room five or seven at a time and you restrict them. You don't sit them. Now these kids are going to be going home after school if they can go to school and doing nothing. Nothing. You stop swimming. Swimming has almost no cases. You hop in the water, according to reports, and you swim alone with goggles. And you stop those kids in a one-size-fits-all and a heart. The the governor's heart goes out to the young athletes, who, by the way, will not experience. You can't make this up. I just watched sports shut down in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, for the most part, Connecticut, the entire fall. But guess who played? The Catholic schools. They had a championship. They had no incidents. They played without masks. How did that happen? Sandra?
13: You know, and Brian, we preface uh, these conversations that you and I have with our guests every single day and on these reports everything We want everybody to stay safe. We want all these kids to to use proper safety measures, wear the masks, social distance, don't get into crowded places, of course. But when you've got studies that are clearly showing you're pointing out in the case of swimming, the NJSS, the New Jersey Swim Safety Alliance, they've looked into all of this. They claim to have found no reported instances of coronavirus spread at indoor pool facilities with within the state. But still, you cannot swim. And CDC guidance has backed science that chlorine stops the spread of the coronavirus. So it has to be pressed and challenged. Why why tell these kids they can't swim? You had two swimmers on your show yesterday. They said not only were they doing everything they were asked to do to keep safety measures in place, they wore their masks all the way up to the moment that they dove into the pool, Brian.
3: They go home and they watch football on television. Adults who could spread the Uh, Disease. We know under 50, the the fatality numbers are so low. I get it. I did. There's always a risk and I'm wary of it. But what I'm trying to say is we had Governor Christie on this radio show yesterday. He said that he was having lunch with his high school buddies from baseball two weeks ago. These are memories. These kids are never going to get back. It's called Mm -hmm. lazy too lazy to find out why the hockey numbers are up i'm going to make a broad sweeping statement and sit people back in their basements we have to live through this the vaccines on the horizon Why destroy these kids' lives and memories when you could prevent that from happening? The kids have displayed the discipline. The coaches put it in them. We have to teach kids to overcome hurdles, not give in to hurdles. We used to be the how can I get this done society. Now it's how can't we get this done society. I'm embarrassed for them.
13: And the two swimmers, again, that were on your program yesterday, were bringing up the point that they understand the severity of the pandemic. They understand the seriousness. of They acknowledge on multiple kids. But then one of them went on to, to talk about their future, and they're worried about it, Brian. They said, we're looking forward to swimming in college, and we're trying to get the times and post the times that we would need for a very crucial recruiting process. So if other kids around the country are able to swim and post those times, and they are not, it greatly affects what happens to them in their... Their FUTURE IN in THE COLLEGE RECRUITING PROCESS. I HAVE TO LEAVE IT THERE, BUT, YEAH, FINAL, 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 BRIAN.
3: YEAH, MY my FINAL POINT IS, YEAH, EVEN THOSE KIDS WHO WANT TO GO TO DIVISION THREE SCHOOL OR YOU WANT TO GO START OHIO STATE, it STOPPED. YOU GOT TO SHOW 11th GRADE VIDEO, AND A LOT OF THESE KIDS ARE NOT GOING TO GET INTO THE SCHOOLS BECAUSE OF THAT. WHY, Mm. AS A GOVERNOR, DO YOU DO SOMETHING THAT IS JUST AN EASY WAY OUT, INSTEAD OF DRILLING DOWN, MEETING WITH THE ASSOCIATIONS AND PUTTING DOWN PARAMETERS TO GET IT DONE SAFELY?
13: Brian Kilmead, it is great to see you. Sorry to interrupt your radio program there.
3: No, no, we uh, our audience enjoyed your audience, and now we're gonna Excellent. have to break up.
13: <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Thank uh, you. We th-
3: All right., uh, you're in New Jersey, Allison, right? I
15: am. Just to add to what Sandra was saying regarding the swimming times, a friend of a friend like, is, like could really get a scholarship for swimming. They're debating moving to Florida just for the winter so they'll be able to compete so he can get the you know the good times to then get a scholarship. But, I mean, who really has those means? Most people do not. But if you do, you're, that's the move you're making. Right. And, you know, on
3: Long Island, they're playing club sports, not playing school sports. Then they're making the school, if they do play, they're allowed to practice with masks. And at night, they go and play without masks.
15: How does that make any sense?
3: Yeah. And by the way, uh, I think doctors are saying it's not good for you to keep breathing in. Your body's expelling for a reason.
15: And then to put that back in your face, it's not good. I mean, have you tried? You work out with it right on the elliptical. But if you try to do anything like sprinting, no way. It's definitely harder to breathe.
3: Oh, I know. I know those N92 masks or N91. 95. 95 masks. They, uh, people have been passing out with them on because there's really a lack of ventilation. All right. All right. Listen, we're gonna uh, We're a little bit over, but it was definitely worth it. Uh 866 i will take your calls in just a moment.
10: You're with Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Got just a few minutes here. So let's go out to Tim in Centerville, Ohio. I was there on 4th of July a few years back. Uh, Hey, Tim, you listen on WHIO.
8: Hi Brian, how you doing? Great to talk with you again. Hey, just wanted to put my two cents worth in on this. Uh, the schools. Uh, my daughter is a um, uh, sophomore. Uh, at in last year, um, she was a four point two five grade average. She's mm-hmm. always had straight A's. Well, this year with the COVID, in school, out of school, in school, out of school. Um, she received her first F that she's ever gotten because of being at home.
3: <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> Which, I'm glad you could laugh yeah. about it, but it's not really no, not her I'm, fault.
8: No, it's not. I mean, it's 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 you know, it, it's just trying to stay at home by herself and keep focused by looking at a computer screen and trying to do this, um, and to find out that there's probably been over a thousand kids. That have received an F or more because of this whole in and out of school.
3: And what grade is she? And you said uh, sophomore. Yeah, so they, they, you know, they're, they're beginning to understand that put, taking a kid out before eighth grade is ridiculous. Now we got to get them to put the high school kids back uh, because yeah. the ninety nine point nine percent chance they're going to beat it if they get it. And I understand the challenges. If you have a, if you're being raised by your grandparents and they have underlying conditions, you have nowhere else to go. You probably got to go at home. I right. get it, but if in a situation like yours, you should be going to school, and just take the precautions. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me I mean, just move on. Let's try try another call. Let's go out to New Jersey, uh, where listening on um, listening on the line. Uh, let's go out. You know, your son plays youth hockey, sir. Dot.
1: Yes. Yep. This okay. is dot.
3: So and and they said there was a hundred cases of hockey, a hundred positive cases Hi. of hockey. Is that not true?
1: Nope. I mean, you know, my son has played full, you know, since July. There's been two separate cases on his team, and there's been no transmission in the team. Youth hockey takes this so seriously. They have temperature checks. Nobody's allowed in the ranks. My son gets dressed in the rain in the parking lot. They don't use locker rooms. They're with wow. very quick contact. All
3: right, Dodd. I'd rather just deal with a team that's infected like the NFL is doing than stop all sports entirely.
10: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
11: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
2: Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
7: I'm here today because of social programs because of budgetary choices, because of a government that saw my mother's dignity and gave her a chance. Now it is my profound honor to help shape those budgets and programs to keep lifting Americans up, to pull families back from the brink, to give everybody the fair chance my mom got, and that every single person deserves.
3: All right, uh, near Tanden, uh, we heard her rant. She, most of the time she's ranting at somebody or diminishing President Trump or Joe Biden, by the way. But yet she got the OMB nomination yesterday, and she quickly took a timeout from deleting her Twitter account and all the tweets to go accept the nomination. And we'll see if she actually gets confirmation. Joining us now is Charlie Hurt, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Washington Times, author of Still Winning, Why America, and All In on Donald Trump and Why We Must Do It Again. But... As of now, it doesn't look like we're doing it again. Interesting choice for Joe Biden. I think the word is the Biden people, Charlie, are shocked at some of the backlash.
16: Yeah, which is kind of strange considering how, I mean, you know, you think the one thing that you would gain from being around Washington for nearly 50 years is you would know when there's going to be backlash like this. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you know, and this hasn't got nearly as much play as I think that it, it should or will. Um, but the biggest screw you, Neera Tandon is within the Democratic Party is to the Bernie uh, Sanders flank of the party. If this is outreach to Bernie Sanders, Neera, Neera Tandon has a history of doing everything she could to keep Bernie Sanders from getting the nomination Four, uh, four years ago in 2016, and she has fought her, you know, her whole career has been dedicated to, obviously, in, in, in one way, you know, helping Hillary Clinton, but also, st- you know, trying to thwart the efforts of people like Bernie Sanders. And Joe Biden has one problem right now. His biggest problem is dealing with... And if he can't figure out how to, to assuage... That dissent, this is going to break out into a full blown civil war, which I guess in some ways it already has
3: so quick thing you said dealing with uh, dealing with his her his left uh his left flank he doesn't seem to yeah. care that much uh so far, but near attend in particular, big into social programs, and we know that Janet Yellen not happy with the president's tax reform
16: yeah. Um, I, and, and maybe what that means is maybe you put your finger on it. Maybe that's what the, the, his strategy is. They're going; his, the policies he's going to embrace are going to be so crazy liberal uh, that, that 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 you know that that's going to be how he uh, extends an olive branch to to the Bernie wing of the party. But if that's what they do, um, it's going to be an unmitigated disaster. Uh, you know, there's a reason Wall Street loves Joe Biden. Wall Street loves Joe Biden because they don't think he's going to do all that crazy stuff. But, you know, I guess I I guess we'll see.
3: Well, my problem is the John Kerry wing of the party where he's going to have a lot of latitude to do a lot of this climate change stuff. They could abdicate. We could be abdicating our throne as the world's premier energy producer. That is not in our national interest. But they believe it's in our national interest to start putting solar panels on cars and plugging in everything and maybe preventing people. Uh, We're watching a lot of these impossible restrictions put on people with this pandemic. Maybe they can do the same thing with climate change. That's what I worry about, Charlie. A year from now, we're talking about people saying you can only drive a certain amount of miles in a gas car.
16: Yeah, but even Democrats, this is not even a a thing that, that Democrats want. You know, Democrat voters want this. Is a thing that Democrat politicians want, and uh, and it really it has nothing to do with the environment. It has it has everything to do with power. The two biggest emitters of of uh, greenhouse gases on the planet are China and India. And and take the Paris Accord for example. It does nothing to to limit those greenhouse emissions. The United States, the the best way, the best fastest way to make countries. Clean and environmentally, uh, you know, responsible or whatever, is to have a thriving economy among free people who love clean air and clean water, which describes exactly the United States of America. And that's why we have such a, a, such a good record on all these things. is It's not because of mandates. It's not because of punishing people for 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 enjoying the freedom of being able to get in your car and drive somewhere, it has to do with the fact that people love living in clean air with clean water and and the the best way to do it is to uh is to encourage a a strong healthy economy
3: so the, what do you um have you had a chance to talk to the president since the election Yes, and what is your uh, if it would, whether it's what you can say on and off the record but how would you characterize um, his his, uh, look, his it's, demeanor. It's
16: look, it's a it's a he, he has an uphill battle because he's got to fight these fights in courts. Um, and it, it ultimately is up to the states to determine whether or not uh, the, the, these elections, the state elections are going to be certified. And once those those elections get certified, that's the game. And unless you make the case uh, forcefully and successfully and quickly enough to change that, it's going to be an uphill battle. And we have seen the problems that his team, even, even, even as these extraordinary cases of fraud have been exposed. And there is no doubt in my mind that there was all of this fraud. And, and you know, just as, as my personal opinion, there's also no doubt in my mind that there was enough fraud- that it would would probably change the outcome of the election as we as we now have it set but you still have to operate within the confines of of our constitution and and so that's it the thing about Donald Trump is the guy is a fighter he is a guy who doesn't know the word quit and that is you know people say well uh, you know if, if, if he had been nicer or so it's, Screw off. That's that's complete nonsense. This guy has accomplished everything he's accomplished because he is the fighter that he is. And he may not say everything perfectly the way everybody wants it, but nobody does. The bottom line is the guy is always pushing towards, uh, you know, a, a a goal. He's always fighting, and that's why he's been so successful.
3: So here's what and, Mike and Allen uh, says. Tell me if you think this is uh, plausible. And I heard it too. Even on inauguration day, he's going to announce 2024, but cut 21.
11: We're told people who have talked uh, recently to the president about this say they think that he will announce for 2024. He stays relevant. He keeps his drug of coverage, which is what he wants uh, more than anything. He complicates any moves by the 2024 field, people who want to succeed him and be 47 after he was 45. But Casey, these people doubt that he ultimately Will do this. One Republican close to the president told me, the "President will have troubles he's never had. Will face more trouble after his presidency than he can imagine." And I texted this person back and I said, "Are you talking financial trouble, legal trouble, fin- uh, political trouble?" And this person replied, "Yes, that is all of the above."
3: Do you think that he thinks that, and is that part of the reason why he's fighting so hard?
16: No, I think that he's fighting that, that he's fighting so hard because he honestly believes that people's votes were not counted in this election and that people's votes were uh were were swamped by vote, by illegal votes. That's what he believes. I mean, the people have you know the, the sort of parlor talk game in Washington has been so bad at understanding this guy. If you want to know what this guy thinks and 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 you know Listen to what he says. Look, you know. Yeah, look at, there's, look no, there's no, there's no secret
3: agenda. You're saying.
16: Yeah, he never has a secret agenda. He is fighting because he sees an injustice. And I, and I honestly do believe this because I've asked him many times, you know, over the past four years, you know, you know, why do you need this impeachment? You're accused of all of these nonsensical things. You're, you're accused of being a, a Russian plant of being a puppet for, why do you want all this stuff? And he honestly, and, and I, you've talked to him about this. He looks at you and he says, look, I i re- I, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was this bad. And. People are counting on me. I don't have a choice. I have to fight for them. And the guy really is a fighter. He really – and, and, you know, say whatever, you know, not, not to dump on Republicans because, you know, Republicans are our only hope at this point to keep from this crazy left-wing socialist agenda from going off the rails. But a lot of Republicans have had a hard time learning how to fight in, in this kind of way the kinds of things that, that you know, their supporters want fought for. And Donald Trump doesn't have that problem. And, and also, he's also – his instincts, his political instincts are so dead on. And, 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 you know, and I do think that in time right. when the hysteria about him and his personality and his style and all that kind of stuff, when all that stuff evaporates in time, people are going to look at the Trump agenda – and they're going to say, "Wow, we're we seeing that it? was an eighty percent agenda."
3: What were we seeing? It, it? was not uh, a. Yeah, say, say it again. We're seeing it at the border. Uh, we're seeing it with the coronavirus yeah, exactly. uh, uh, vaccine. Uh, we're seeing it with his instincts where we got to get kids back to get back to school. They got to be yes. in school. Back to work. Turns out the yes. science is behind it. The math is adding up. The economy is doing the best it can under with these smothering politicians who just keep yep. shutting everything down because they have no other move. So. Yeah. And, and that's, why, that's why, you know, when people, you know, when Trump, people
16: get all upset when Trump says the election was rigged, well, it was rigged. It was rigged by the media for four years making up all this stuff. It was rigged by Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi making up, making up. Stories that they knew to be false, making up stories, claiming, impeaching him over absolute nonsense, impeaching him over a phone call that occurred a year and a half after the impeachment proceedings began? I know. Give me a break. And lastly, Nobody.
3: And lastly, his greatest thing is what he wanted at least to do with, him, and that's the Middle East. What, what he's done yeah. there is created a wall of allies for Israel. He has put, in the Thomas Friedman's words... Iran yep. in a box and we we yep. took out their nuclear mastermind and their terror mastermind and they still they stopped harassing our ships in the Persian Gulf there's no more intercontinental missiles going off the uh, Saudi Arabia has not been targeted and they're actually paying for our true presence in the area so excuse me good luck Biden's got a pretty good hand to he better not blow it like his like his former boss did lastly yeah
11: I want you to hear what well, Dave... But let, me just say, let, yeah.
3: let me just say one thing. This, it's, all of this is a
16: testament to how bad Washington is at dealing with these problems. What Trump did in the Middle East was basic simple common sense. A fourth grader could have figured this out and said, this is what you do. But the geniuses in Washington who have got, been getting it wrong for so long, they make everything, every problem, they take everything that is clear and simple and they make it complicated and uh, and, and never fix the problem because they don't want problems fixed. And there are no two people who are more responsible for that when it comes to foreign policy than Joe Biden and John Kerry. They have been getting it wrong for decades and Donald Trump walks in and says, You know what? This makes no sense. Let's do this. And it turns out that Trump was exactly right. And as you point out, even, the, even Tom Friedman, by mistake, has like, yeah. Who, yeah, he has to say, Okay, guys, you know what? This guy is totally right. You all have been wrong forever.
3: Yeah, and he said it's a pretty good hand that Biden has right now because they're afraid of blowing it with Biden by retaliating and they're afraid of ti- uh, Trump because Trump has out them. <laughs> so <laughs> So it's it's kind of true. Uh Charlie, and we've got our, our minds off the Middle East and they realize we're not the problem and they're realizing Iran, excuse me, Israel is not the problem either. Um which yep. Bryce, President Obama never realized. He never came to grips with. Yeah. And and the Palestinians can't yeah, can't you know can make a decision. America is not a
16: problem in this yeah. world. America is not a problem in this world. And the, but these people instinctively believe that that Israel is the problem and that America is the problem. And and that is a recipe. No matter what you want to do, you're, you what you want to spend your influence on in the world, that is a disastrous way to go about it.
3: Charlie, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Look forward Thank to you, your buddy. next column. And I think it's going to be interesting talking to the president after. Uh, uh either he's able to overturn this thing or get this stuff certified because he's not going Amen, away Amen brother I hear you I hope he goes to the inaugural do you feel the same way
16: uh yeah y- y- you know I <laughs> you never know with this guy and and every time I have sort of wagged my finger and said he should do this uh I have been amazed at at how much better his political instincts are um than anybody uh than anybody I have have ever covered in Washington.
3: Charlie, thanks so much. You can follow Charlie at Charles Hurt on Twitter. Back in a moment.
2: Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with
11: Brian Kilmeade.
2: From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, got a couple more minutes here. I want to get to the phones. one 866 408 So we're watching. The president just tweeted out. He's looking forward to getting this hearing in Michigan. He said widespread fraud. You know, he lost by a lot in Michigan. Not many, a lot of people are surprised by that. I am because this governor's been terrible in Michigan. You know... Been been awful. Been repressive. Has been duplicitous. They're trying to recall her, and the president has been at loggerheads with her. I thought that would propel him to victory, but right now he's at a deficit. Eric, who's on WDBO in Orlando. Eric,
9: hey Brian. Uh, as you know, I'm from New Jersey, and I have a couple friends here from New Jersey that went back to New Jersey for Thanksgiving, and they had to have documentation that they had two negative uh, COVID tests. Really. Yes, and, and well, just in case they drove up, they drove up through the turnpike, but they were told to have documentation that they had negative uh, COVID tests. And my buddy Joey was supposed to bring me back some pork roll, so I called him, and I haven't been able to get a hold of him. Well, he just texted me yesterday that he came back from New Jersey, and him and his wife have COVID. They couldn't do anything there. There were a lot of restaurants closed down, masks Every store had a sign on it, masks mandatory. People were wearing gloves. People were driving with masks on by themselves. The state is so scared. That just shows that we're not going to stop this thing. It's airborne. It's in your air conditioner. Eric, how's it in
3: Florida? How's it in Florida?
9: uh, I have other friends calling me. My wife's a respiratory therapist. They're saying that the hospitals are overwhelmed. They're asking people to take vacation. They are the, – your, your previous caller is so right. They are hyping this up to scare everybody. I work for a major drug company, and I finally allowed to take – we've been putting up COVID testing sites all over the country. I'm in the IT department. We finally got we're, – we're done with this push, and it's just the point where watch the numbers. People are going to get it. You're not going to stop this. More people have died More people have died from uh, suicide. And COPD. My wife treats COPD people every day. You can buy cigarettes in every store. If people really cared about death, there'd be no cigarettes. I mean, come on, what are we doing, Brian?
3: Uh, I don't know, but Florida seems to let you live and make your own decisions. And I know they are not. They haven't eradicated it, but uh, it's a lot worse in places where they've been totally repressive, like New York, New Jersey, and California. Uh, that could be a clue. Hey, go to BrianKillme.com. If, uh, if on your holiday list you want to get one of my books personalized, you can go order it there, and I'll send it out.
10: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News from the Fox News Radio
2: studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, We have Senator uh, Cassidy with us shortly. He's doing this thing uh, in Congress I have not seen in a long time. They're working on a bipartisan plan, legitimately and sincerely, and I believe they could get something done. So let's get to before before I get to the senator from Louisiana. Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three.
4: If you believe as as I do that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system, I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police. But you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it.
3: Yeah. Uh, while we wait for uh, while we uh, wait for the defunding of the police. President Obama weighs in now and says it's not a good move. Really? Where were you when they were destroying cities, when they were chanting that, and where were you when they cut a billion dollars out of the New York budget, when they cut millions out of the Seattle budget, and the Portland budget, and the Chicago budget? Now he says defunding's a bad move?
13: Number two.
1: Barr, who is one of the president's most loyal supporters, told the AP the Justice Department has looked into complaints about the election but has not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election.
3: So right now, the AG does not see widespread fraud. While the president is mounting his last round, perhaps, of election challenges as he and his party pour millions into the Georgia runoff, we'll talk about who's got the upper hand.
9: Number one.
5: Today is a victory for the American people. It is a bipartisan, bicameral effort, which creates a pathway forward to bring relief to the unemployed, to the small businesswoman, the
3: small businessman. And there is uh, Senator Bill Cassidy. He'll be joining us in a second. What he said yesterday, while we wait for a vaccine... Politicians are shutting down businesses, lives and livelihoods, and a rebellion is brewing from Staten Island over to Santa Monica. Time to hear the, uh, the the madness and Russia rescue pack and the madness and Russia rescue package to the hundreds of thousands hurt by this pandemic and the incompetence of these politicians. And Senator Cassidy, you teamed with uh, people like Joe Manchin, Dick Durbin uh, and others and members of the House and are trying to put together a rescue package, which comes out to about $900 billion, correct?
17: Absolutely, um, and it's a rescue package. By the way, of that $900 billion, two-thirds of it Congress has already appropriated. We had it in separate CARES package bills or COVID package bills, and we're repurposing it. So we're trying to be wise stewards, but we're trying to help those people who are hurting, those people newly unemployed because of these lockdowns, those people newly at risk of losing their business because of these lockdowns. Tied us over till we get the vaccine. It's about helping the American people.
3: Yeah, I think something's got to get done. But if you don't have the president and leadership, it'll be inspiring, but it won't, you won't be able to pull it off. What has what Mitch McConnell told you? Because he's got his own so-called skinny bill. You
17: know, if you have any bill which is not bipartisan, it's a message bill. Now, let me say, passing a bill is better than sending a message, and there's no better message than passing a bill. We're the only bipartisan bill. If you want the, the message to be that Congress cares, has its act together, and is helping the American people, our bill is where it is.
3: So you got um, nine hundred, as we mentioned, nine hundred eight billion dollars, two hundred eighty-eight billion for small business, hundred eight billion for extended, uh, boosted unemployment benefits, one hundred sixty billion for state and local governments. But I understand you got some, uh, some strings on that money for the states. Correct.
17: Yeah. You cannot use it to bail out your pension fund. We're not there to help folks who have been unable to help themselves. Uh, On the other hand, we are there to help folks, uh, states and cities, keep police officers employed, to keep the first-line responders employed. How do we keep those essential services going so that all this money we've invested in small businesses uh, uh, goes for something? For example, we don't want to defund the police because states and cities are running out of the money and they have to lay off their police officers. We need those police officers on the beat. that we can keep these businesses open so we keep our economy going until the vaccine is widely, widely used.
3: So what did Mitch McConnell tell you when you emerged from this press conference yesterday? He knows you guys were negotiating this.
17: Yeah, so we went and spoke to uh, Leader McConnell and said, listen, we've got some issues. Uh, we want you to be a part of it, uh, uh, give you whatever briefing you want. After that, he announced his own skinny package. So I'm not quite sure how to interpret that, but I'll go back to what I said earlier If your bill is not bipartisan, it's not passing this Congress. Ours is the only bipartisan bill. Um, It is a message that Congress can work and that we care about the American people.
3: So here's what Joe Manchin uh, told me today about what you guys have been working on.
6: There was 560 billion, roughly 560 billion, left over from the first CARES package, and that's what uh, Leader McConnell is calling the skinny package. He just wants to get that out the door. Uh, we've put, with Democrats and Republicans working together, another 348 billion to that, makes it 908. So it's only right. 908 of new money. So people that think it's too much, or people think it's not enough. Uh, maybe we've hit the sweet spot, and we're hoping our leadership will look at this in a very constructive way.
3: So uh, just in terms of communication, has has anything happened?
17: Yeah, so right now we're setting up subcommittees to kind of finish fleshing out the specific language to work through the nitty-gritty. There's going to be Democrats and Republicans, both from the Senate and the House, who are involved. Uh, We're taking a lot of language that's already out there, so we're not not starting from a blank slate. Um, and, And as we do that... Uh, we'll continue to communicate with leadership, uh, with, the, with the White House. Uh, we are sincerely wanting to get this through, and we think all the pieces are there. We just got to finish assembling them.
3: All right. Well, we'll see where this goes. So uh, I understand, too, uh, This you're a doctor, and we have this. Everyone's pumped up about this vaccine. I noticed the U.K. okayed their FDA, okayed the Pfizer Vaccine. I heard Mark Meadows uh, and the president kind of upset, wondering what this delay with the FDA is. You know, this process. Is there an absurd delay going on here, or am I just missing something?
17: You know, I can't speak of what the FDA is doing. I do know Pfizer is shipping that vaccine now to places around the country so so it can begin to be deployed. And I was speaking to Ochsner Hospital down in New Orleans. They're one of the facilities that has the super cold free, uh, freezer that allows it to be stored. They're anticipating receiving their shipment. So, yes, but I like it out yesterday. Mm, yes, yeah, sure, I would. But sure. if it's out the 14th uh, and, and in the meantime, we've shipped it, we've supplied all our refrigerators, uh, we've got all the systems in place, you know, I'll accept it. Uh, we just need to get the vaccine out, get people protected, lower the infection rate, reopen the economy.
3: Britain has ordered 40 million doses of the vaccine, 95 percent effective, as you know. We have 21 million health care workers are going to get it first. Three million long-term care residents will be next Who else would you like to see on the hit list in terms of need? Who do you think? Do you think all seniors? I think all seniors,
17: all diabetics, um, uh, uh, people who are obese above a certain range. Uh, which is to say all these people who are at higher risk. I'd also like my teachers, my police officers, my first responders. Um, you know, when you see somebody spitting upon a police officer saying that he no. or she is, is COVID positive and trying to infect them, yes, the officer's wearing a mask, but I sure would like that officer to be vaccinated as well. Uh, so that would be second tranche. And third tranche is going to be folks who just kind of normal risk, but by golly, we want them vaccinated.
3: So we have the, the CDC says the 240,000 health care workers have gotten it. 858 have lost their lives and as these numbers tick up they're going to need some immediate help on that a couple of things are you for the cdc revising its guidelines now so you now quarantine instead of 14 days if you test positive to seven
17: Whatever medical science drives I am for, that sounds like medical science because people seem to not be shedding the virus in a way that can infect other people after seven days. But I'm not going to second guess. I also want to point out, it's quite likely if someone's been previously infected that they are currently immune. The vaccine is nothing but an imitation of an actual infection. So if we know that, whatever, 20% of Americans have been infected, uh, it may be that 20% of Americans or at least 95% of them are now immune. We also need to discover that because there's a shortage of vaccine, we should give it to those people most at risk, not not vaccinating people who are already immune.
3: Anthony Fauci said yesterday, by the summer of 2021, uh, we will have herd immunity in the United States. How how would you put that in layman's terms? What does that mean? There'll be enough vaccinations where it's not going to matter.
17: There's going to be enough people immune that if somebody comes out sick and coughs on somebody else, that person's immune, it doesn't bother them. It doesn't spread the virus. If you will, they are surrounded by a wall of people who are immune so that even though the virus would like to spread, it has no place to go. Uh, It is imprisoned, if you will, in that one person. That one person gets over it, no one else is infected, and everyone else is protected. That's herd immunity. That's what we want.
3: Would you take it?
17: Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Now, I've been previously infected. I would only take it if first all my frontline workers have got it, those in nursing homes. And, and ideally, we know by then if I need it. If I don't need it, I'd like to save it for another person. On the other hand, if people want somebody to lead by example,
3: Brian, sign me up. Me too. I, I'm, I, I'll be first or last, whatever you need. What do you say to some smart people listening to us right now who said, not a chance. It just came out. I'm going to wait a while.
17: So, the nice thing about the way it's rolling out, it first goes to those in nursing homes and those who are frontline workers. Nobody is more important than this than a nurse. The nurse is going to take the shot. She's no longer going to worry about giving it to her husband or, or his, his wife, uh, their partner, or their children when they go home. Uh, they can visit their parents and not worry about infecting them, and she will tell her neighbor, I took it. My arm was sore. Maybe I had a little bit of achiness afterwards, but now I get to visit my mother, and I don't worry about infecting her. And I kiss my husband, and I don't worry about infecting him. And I go to work, and I don't worry about being infected. That nurse will be an ambassador for the for the, the efficacy and the safety and the utility of taking it. God bless nurses. Uh, they're going to play a very important role in reassuring people. The smart person who doesn't want to take it will listen to the nurse and hopefully take it.
3: Well, yeah, I guess we're, we're all going to see what's going to happen. What's your advice to the president as he's battling from state to state?
17: Um, you know, the president has instructed the General Service Administration to go ahead and start the transition. It is his right to battle, but it's also he's doing the responsible thing and allowing the um, transition to go. I would not make allegations that were not true because I think it damages his reputation. And if you could easily prove them not true, then it again damages his reputation. I'd rather his reputation be good as opposed to damage.
3: he wants to come back. And lastly, Senator Cassidy, I just did a in New Jersey and in New York, they're stopping sports again. They're closing down businesses again. Uh, they're closed down schools again. What is your advice to people who say no more youth sports, being that you're a medical doctor, you also had the virus?
17: Yeah, so that's a complicated question. You've got to follow the medical advice. That's all I can say. It does appear as if children are less likely to be infected. So think of your Babe Ruth League, your Little League. Probably those kids are okay. On the other hand, your high school senior, uh, that could be a super spreader event. So if you're able to check like the, the college football teams do, it's probably okay. And if not, I can see the wisdom in that. But ultimately follow the uh, advice of the medical experts.
3: All right, uh, let's see if we can get something done before. The goal for you guys are watching press conference yesterday was to get something done before Christmas. There's a lot of people who don't watch the stock market to see how they're doing. Uh, They're unfortunately getting on uh, uh, food lines.
17: And by the way, there's people who've never been on food lines who are now on food lines, and we consciously think about that, and there's a lot of food aided here, and it's a lot of ways which helps not just the farmer but also the family. Um, uh, We are concerned about that.
3: Yeah, from hotels to catering to restaurants and health clubs, uh, for the first time, people's livelihoods have been taken out from underneath them. Senator Bill Cassidy, thanks so much. Hopefully we'll have you on talking about the deal you got done. Thanks, Brian. Go get them. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, we're going to come back with your phone calls. And uh, there's a lot of other news uh, taking place right now. Uh, don't move. This is Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
10: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum, the host of The Story on Fox News Channel, sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real.
2: This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: All right, let's go out to Terry listening in Idaho
18: online. Hey, Terry. Uh, hey, it's actually Perry. Uh, sorry, just with a P. I just want to make sure. I have a friend named Terry. I don't want him getting credit for my good phone call.
3: Well, good. Yeah, let's let's get that clear.
18: Uh, yeah, that's good. Um, I work at a, uh, with everything that's going on with the quarantine. I work in a bookstore. We actually have all of your books in there, every, every book that you've written. Um, you know, things are tough. Uh, and I will say, we haven't actually sold any of your books.
3: Yeah. And so I know this is not a real call because you are Terry. And not Perry. And that guy has called in before. I was saying I recognized him. But he's got a lot of free time. So if it's 1130 uh, Eastern time and you're able to make that call, that really says a lot about you. Meanwhile, back to what I was talking about with Senator Cassidy before. Talk to Senator Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, Susan Collins, and this might not please a lot of Republicans. They're going to have a lot of power because they don't really mind Democrats. And uh, there's not too many, but Joe Manchin—Republicans, I should say—and vice versa. I don't know how many on the on the left can get along with the right. Like Chuck Schumer will never be making deals. He just doesn't do it. But there are other people who are pretty much tired of just staring each other down. Not the Chris Murphys of Connecticut. I understand that. But there might be some others. I mean, Dick Durbin and Lindsey Graham are pretty friendly. Lindsey Graham has a lot of friends on the other side. And I think they're going to be extremely uh, powerful— especially if the Republicans hold on to the Senate. I want you to hear a little bit more. I played one cut for Senator uh, Cassidy, but I want you to hear a little bit more from my interview with uh, Joe Manchin.
6: Well, what happened is nothing was happening. That's the problem, Brian. We've been talking about, and and our leadership's been in a stalemate, uh, both in the Senate and over in the House. The people are hurting in my state of West Virginia. They're hurting in every state. And we're in a worse pandemic now as far as the outbreak of the pandemic will get much worse this first quarter. We're trying to get through the most difficult times that we've ever had. And that's going to be people that are losing everything as far as all their benefits are running out at the end of December. And the economy hasn't recovered. There's more shut down. There's no outside dining. And, And a lot of inside dining has been shut down. So we have restaurants hurting. We have so much that needs to be assisted here.
3: So some of it just flat out needs money. What I think makes it worse is the hypocrisy that's going on, especially out in California. See, what you know, remember with Terry Lightfoot, with uh, Mayor Lightfoot over in. Over in Chicago, you say, I'm going to go I'm going to go party because Joe Biden won the election. I should be allowed to do that while telling everyone they have to socially distance and not show up and not go to bars. We saw the same thing with the mayor, uh, Bowser of D.C., going to Maryland and party because Joe Biden won the election. That's okay. Now, this French Laundry, this elite restaurant, which to me has got a terrible name right now. There was the site that Gavin Newsom was caught with a bunch of donors and one medical official not wearing a mask. Elbow to elbow in a big dinner while telling us we're not allowed to do it and telling restaurants they have to shut down. Well, more problems with the same place. It turns out the mayor of San Francisco, uh, London Breed, was caught there, too, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. They dined at the upscale French laundry restaurant at Reeds. The day after, Governor Newsom did. She joined seven, He joined seven others in having a nice birthday dinner for a socialite. Which socialite listed on your taxes or a profession or a description, to me, not a compliment. The statement from the mayor, London Breed, banning all indoor dining went like this. I can emphasize enough how important it is that everyone act responsibly and reduce the spread of the virus. Really? While she, a couple of days prior, is acting irresponsibly, putting herself in that restaurant. Then the mayor of Jose, uh, San Jose uh, says they are sorry. The mayor of San Jose apologized for not following state uh, coronavirus restrictions during Thanksgiving meal, so that happened over the weekend. So that statement by the mayor, the statement by the governor, the statement by the other mayor, Los Angeles County Supervisor Sheila Kuhl, again, eating out, but we're not allowed to as restaurant owners or workers exist and as citizens go out to eat, inside or
10: outside. That's what drives people nuts. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My
1: name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world.
10: You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: A radio show like no other.
10: It's Brian
2: Kilmeade.
12: This $908 billion framework, which will take us from December 1 through March 31st, um, not going to make everybody happy. But there's been an enormous amount of work done.
3: And that is a little of uh, Senator Mark Winner, the Democrat from Virginia, a uh, ranking uh, member on the Intelligence Committee, uh, talking about this bipartisan deal worth about $900 billion, repurposes about $500 billion that was in the pipeline but not spent yet, and see if they can get something done on a bipartisan level. Chris Stierwald, the ultimate Washington uh, insider, joins us now. Chris, we have a reason to feel optimistic <laughs> something will get done before Christmas.
18: I have been called a lot of things, many things, many times by you. But I don't think I've ever had anybody call me the ultimate Washington insider. I'm offended. This is, uh, how, how could you call me that?
3: All right, let me try this. The ultimate West Virginia insider. Maybe not. I guess he dropped off. Is he that outraged? No, well, we'll see. All right. So let me give you an idea of why I'm somewhat optimistic. Here's what Susan Collins said yesterday, cut six.
13: We have worked very hard to put together a $908 billion framework for COVID relief. We've worked night and day throughout the Thanksgiving recess because we recognize that families all across America are struggling, that businesses are closing, that hospitals are overwhelmed. As we deal with this second wave or third wave of this pandemic, it is absolutely essential that we pass emergency relief.
3: And I think that most people believe that on Capitol Hill, what Susan Collins said, what Warner was saying, what Joe Manchin said this morning.
18: So we have, uh, it's one of those things where. Three, two, three.
3: All right. Uh, Looks like Chris having some uh, some issues there. So I don't know if I can bail him out again with Susan Collins, because it can only go to the well so many times. But we do have this is the first time in a long time I have two Susan Collins. I don't want to brag to other hosts who might be listening, but I have two Susan Collins uh, cuts on this.
15: We really spoiled you today. I
3: know. (laughs) What are you you thinking? But one of the big surprise wins. Uh, But I do want to do this. I want to talk about what matters to Susan Collins. Susan Collins' win and Joni Ernst win has made Georgia possible to give the balance of power back to Republicans. So I want you to hear what the concern is now as the Republicans pour in $21 million. They'll have uh, the president coming Saturday, the vice president back this week. Senator Tom Cotton's been there twice. But they got to get their election system situated where they're able to compare signatures. Dave Bossy, Trump's uh, campaign senior advisor, said this about Stacey Abrams' group, which is supporting a Warnock, obviously, and they're already being, I guess, looked at and investigated about soliciting a ballot from people out of state. Cut 23.
18: Yeah, we need to investigate the auditors at this point. This is outrageous. Look, we we now see that an organization that Stacey Abrams and Warnock were running is now under investigation by the state for running an organization that was sending ballots to people who lived outside of the state of Georgia. It is outrageous. This is the Senate candidate and his organization doing this. This This is unheard of corruption. This needs to be investigated thoroughly and very quickly. We don't have the time to stand around waiting on this. Uh,
3: And it has to be looked at. And I imagine even the secretary of state, uh, even the secretary, uh, the secretary of state of Georgia, uh, the secretary of state of Georgia is looking into that. And he's the one who launched the investigation that we saw yesterday. But things are hot because the president right now is in Michigan. Uh, is in Michigan. He's looking into uh, challenging some of that. He's not there, obviously, but Rudy Giuliani is representing him. Uh, Rudy must have had a short night because he was tweeting at 2.30 in the morning. So I'm not sure. I guess he does not need much sleep. So he is looking into voter fraud there. Uh, He is going to testify on the election irregularities. Now, in Pennsylvania, Republicans are asking the U.S. Supreme Court to hear their case when it comes to challenging The mail-in voting in that state because people feel as though it was dysfunctional to say the least. So, Lynn, look at Georgia in particular. They have two. The Republicans have put 2.5 million voter contacts. They've had 2.5 million voter contacts so far. They have 500 paid staffers and thousands of volunteers in the state trying to win both uh, both seats. 1.5 million voter contacts a week so far. The RNC is now looking to put in about 20 million dollars overall to their spending. And over the weekend, there's going to be a debate between Kelly Loeffler. Uh, uh Loeffler and uh Raphael Warnock it looks like uh David Perdue does not want to debate he's had it he just wants to go listen he won the last election what's going to be the difference this time it's going to be what kind of mail-in voting you have because Georgia already spoke about this election they just didn't get he got 49.8 percent they didn't just get 50 percent that was that was uh, the one issue so Chris we've got a couple of minutes left I hope we uh, ironed everything out but uh, yeah. in, in particular in Georgia, these numbers are staggering. 20000000 uh million they're going to be spending. $2.5 voter contacts so far. They average $1.5 million a, a week. This is just on the Republican side with 500 paid staffers. They which Can shop, you say shop. they
18: want to win? We're, well, between the two sides, we're already uh, clocking in at uh, a quarter of a billion dollars committed to just this race. Now, you and I have talked about this before. There's only two kinds of money uh, in politics. There's enough and not enough. What you have down here, you have a lot of super PACs that want to come play because it's a good fundraising opportunity. So let's just let's let's say both sides. I pity every Georgia voter because they are going to get pummeled for the next month as this goes on. Both sides are going to be super saturated.
3: So Biden's going to go down there. Uh, and Obama's going to go down there. Is, does Biden have some—I mean, te- he won the state, so he should he should be attracting a big crowd. What do you think?
18: Well, they're still going to do corona—they're li- going to do corona limited. Biden's play in Georgia is a tricky one. Uh, Obama's is more straightforward. Go appeal to black voters. Uh, and as the Raphael Warnock—as Doug Collins and others come harder against Raphael Warnock— you can see what will develop. And Obama, I'm sure, will play up those attacks uh, and talk about uh, Martin Luther King and Ebenezer Baptist and all that jazz. Uh, good jazz. Uh, the uh, But that will definitely be the Democrats' line there with Obama. Biden's is a little tougher. He and Trump are in sort of the same position. Biden being there will demotivate uh, some potential votes or motivate some potential votes for the Republicans, right? Biden being there and Obama will remind uh, moderate, persuadable voters, oh, yeah, Biden's going to be president's policies, uh, and we may want a Republican Senate. On the other hand, Biden will encourage some of his own voters. So he and Trump are sort of in the same predicament which is it's a Mickey Mouse balloon. You squeeze one ear, the other one gets bigger.
3: So Barack Obama's doing this book tour for the first volume of his two-volume set, which if you act now, you might be able to get 50% off your second purchase of both volumes <laughs> if you act now. Uh, here's what he said about defunding the police. Cut 24.
4: If you believe, as as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system so that it's not biased and treats everybody fairly— I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done.
3: That sounds a little like James Clyburn and Joe Manchin. Where were these people during the election or when they
18: were looting and destroying cities? Well, you know, this is not new for Obama. Uh, He has been making a point, and this certainly goes back into the primaries and through the general election. I'm telling the members of his party they got to calm down uh, and they have to make a pitch like Biden has done that can appeal to some Republicans and persuade. I've never
3: heard him say defunding the police is a bad idea. I never heard Clyburn say until after the election.
18: Uh, I wasn't speaking specifically about defund the police. I mean, Obama talking about the rhetoric that people use on the progressive left and how they approach questions. Uh, And this was, you know, in answer to a specific question, I, I think. The Democrats, while the voices of the progressive left will be stronger now in a smaller House majority, and they will have more clout, moderate Democrats are fed up. And I think Obama is speaking for them, and we've heard it from the members of the House Democratic uh, Caucus. We've heard it from uh, Democratic uh, members of the Senate, like Manchin you alluded to, who are just fed up. And for a long time, I think it, it's sort of like the Republicans' experience with the Tea Party. For a while, it was like, yeah, 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 pat you on the head, fine, fine, fine. And now it's like, wait a minute, you're costing us seats. This is, this is not good, and I'm going to stand up now. So I think the Democrats, just as the Republicans have a lot of business to sort out right now, the Democrats are right on the verge of having some tough talk with each other.
3: Good luck with that. I hope they work it out. Um, because the funding the police, it's really going well in Seattle and Minneapolis. The numbers are just fantastic if you're pro-homicide. But maybe I'm anti-homicide, so I look at that negatively.
18: You're funny You're funny like that.
3: Yeah. Hey, uh, Chris, thanks so much. Great to talk to you.
18: Good to talk to you. All
3: right, 1-866-408-7669. I'm going to find out if there's more to know and take some calls. I don't know if that's possible.
2: This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen... The more you'll know, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Welcome back, everyone. We'll find out if there's even more to know. And just a a quick note, uh, if you want to go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com, that's the time to get this uh, to pick up and and listen to the podcast, or or you can get it on iTunes and iHeart and Spotify. Just a way if you ever miss the show uh, live on the radio, you still have an option to take it in, and a lot of people are clicking on that. And you always go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com should you leave your local affiliate. And if you ever want any of the books, Thomas Jefferson, the E Pirates, Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers or George Washington's Secret Six. If you want it personalized for the holidays if you get it to me soon enough, you just go to BrianKillMe.com and you can just place the order and I can do that. So let's get to find out, too, if it in fact is the case that there is more to know. More to know. Dolly Parton and Christmas cheer get precedence over the NFL. NBC's annual broadcast of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, which, by the way, we're only allowed to see in groups of five for five minutes after tonight, has trumped the NFL because the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers were supposed to play on Thanksgiving. The coronavirus hit the team, and the Ravens in particular. They had to postpone for the weekend. That didn't work. They tried for Monday. Still not enough players. They tried for Tuesday. They're now going to play today at 340 on NBC. So Dolly Parton and this lighting gets
15: more revenue than the NFL? Apparently so. And I mean, I guess they, I mean, the tree lighting is something the NBC does every year, right? It's a big event for them. They probably sold the advertising a long time ago and whatnot. And I, I
3: guess so. But is it going to be a big deal? They don't want any crowds.
15: It's a terrible tree. So remember the tree, everyone says the worst tree they've ever seen? They, they spruced it up. It looks better. But I, will, I think it will be a nice excuse for families to come together around the television tonight and watch something positive and feel a little normal. Right.
3: When you watch a tree, that brings families together. Oh, no, it's for
15: Dolly. You're going to watch Dolly singing Christmas cheer.
3: Next, Tommy Lasorda, uh, L.A. legend, former pitcher with the Dodgers, former manager of the Dodgers, uh, maybe the most famous face and lauded in baseball, uh, is is still in the hospital but has moved out of ICU. So they're still worried about him in Southern California. Uh, the LA Dodgers spokesperson told the AP last week that Lasordas' condition was improving so rapidly, uh, noting he was able to field phone calls from friends and former baseball colleagues. On Tuesday, the Dodgers told the AP that is continue to make substantial progress. We'll see if he gets out soon. I'm not really sure what went wrong. Do you?
15: I do. I know. Um, a, he's 93 years old, so he's definitely up there. And um, it was he admit, was admitted with heart issues in early November. And shortly thereafter, took a turn for the worse. But now he's doing better.
3: Right. Uh, never really in the best shape. But 93 years old, no one's doubting him.
15: And got out of the ACU. Nice guy,
3: and he's a very supportive guy. One time I was able to go to a Dodger game, and I was able to sit next to him the whole time. Did he actually talk to you? He actually wanted to talk to me. Nice. Right, but I was saying, excuse me, do you mind? I'm trying to watch the game. (laughs) I had to quiet him down. Next. Thanks to COVID, more Americans are looking to pursue their dream jobs. A new survey finds the average American has experienced four light bulb moments about their lives since the beginning of the outbreak. One poll of 2,000 Americans said that 7 in 10 believe they had at least one great idea during the last seven months of the pandemic. The results find that over 54% have considered making a major career change. In fact, two in five said they are unhappy with their current job. 45% say they're not working in the career they want to. For millennials, a possible career shift would especially be meaningful. 52% report they aren't satisfied with their current position. And only 20% of baby boomers said they felt similarly, though they were also 24% more likely than millennials to already be working in their ideal field.
15: Any light bulb moments? Um, No, not f- for me personally, but I mean, I think it makes sense, right? You, it makes you really reevaluate your life and what you're with. Your family, your job, sort of basic things that you can't, you know, go out to dinner or go to the bar after work to sort of, you know. Right. You can go excuses. to Costco and get jeans. Exactly.
3: Uh, that's not fun. Uh, we'll see. If you have a light some ball- good
15: jeans. I'm not going to lie.
3: They do have good jeans. Yes. They have a lot of everything. Their lack of focus usually hurts an organization, but they're all over the place. They can get you a, a lawn chair and a basketball net and jeans.
15: It's impossible to leave the store and without meat. spending and hundreds of dollars.
3: I know. And meanwhile, next... I don't know if I want this. I'm going to go to the next one. Uh, Snoop Dogg launching a pro boxing league. Uh, a massive fight is in the works, he seems. I told you, he was great as color for the Mike Tyson fight. He actually made the most sense. Sugar Ray Leonard was a man of two words. Look at this. Look at that. This is Snoop Dogg was actually saying some stuff. But The rapper has teamed up with Thriller co-owner Ryan Cavanaugh to launch a brand new boxing league called the Fight Club. There's already a blockbuster event in the works. Says Snoop and his co-owner will be doing this. They'll be doing fight commentary and helping book the fights and musical acts. He says it's going to be big because they did have rappers in between. For me, they'd have rappers in between the bouts. The plan for Fight Club uh, to put on both sanctioned fights and non-sanctioned fights, basically like the Tyson card. You know, there was some real fights on that card.
15: Well, that's good. No, I would say it's, it makes sense. I mean, Snoop's always sort of interesting, right? He smokes so much. I feel like he always is like very philosophical in the world, right?
3: Yeah, I've never seen him not high. Has anyone? Has anyone? We're trying to find somebody who hasn't seen him not high. We
15: hang out so often. I've seen him not high.
3: Next, U.S. Women's Soccer Team settle unequal working conditions. Lost a little confused by this because money doesn't seem to have played a role. According to the AP, the two parties filed a redacted public notice of settlement with U.S. Soccer. Uh, the players initially sued the Federation in March of 2019, argued they have not been paid equally. Uh, Tuesday settlement mandates charter fights, hotel accommodations, venue selection, and professional staff support. I'm not sure what's going on with U.S. soccer. I think they're more into taking a knee during the national anthem these days than actually playing. I'm not too sure that America wants to rally around a group of activists. We just want to watch the game, and kneeling as a national team is like kneeling during the Olympics.
15: Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Next, Steven Spielberg just
3: got court-ordered protection from a woman he believes is threatening to murder him. Uh, the famed movie mogul filed legal docs dis- seeking a restraining order against Sarah Char. The docs obtained by TMZ says uh, Steven says law enforcement told him the woman tried to purchase a gun to kill him. Uh, Steven says he's scared. Uh, scared the woman will follow him around with her uh, with these threats. After beelining it to court, uh, Steven obtained a temporary restraining order. That's scary stuff.
15: 100 percent that's unnerving you're always looking over your shoulder and there are some crazy people out there
3: right and sadly um we're out of time
15: that's how we're ending it
3: right hey uh thanks so much for listening make sure you uh listen every single day go to brian so if you have to travel uh the show will travel with you thanks to our guests who come this hour make sure to watch fox and friends between six and nine uh eastern time monday through friday and keep it here on the brian Killmead show